your babs, this shit crazy. Jimmy on the beat, boy. People, this is the Trophy Room. It is Wednesday, August 4th. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We have yet another Indianapolis Colt getting surgery on their foot. We have an arms race going on in the NBA. I'm here to talk to you a little bit more about why there needs to be more fighting in professional sports. So wherever you are listening to the podcast, please go give us a five-star review. It would help a ton. Get a screenshot. Share us on your story. Go support the boys. We would love that. I'm your host, Brett Hammer, alongside a co-host that is here who has basically competed in as many Olympic events as uh, Simone Biles this past week. Just a couple short today. That's Jackson Garlitz. That's Jackson with an X instead of the CKS. Go find him on YouTube. Just search Jackson Garlitz first one up. As always, you can catch me on Instagram at BHammerTime with the extra E, as well as the account for the show on the gram is Trophy Room Radio. Jackson, how are we? We are pretty good. And just to give everybody a heads up that when you're listening to this, my time, as of two minutes ago, Markeith Morris has signed a one-year deal with the Miami Heat, and we are officially in the middle of one of the most nutty arms races in the entire NBA that I've ever seen. Like, it's insane how many teams are just loading. Teams that don't even have any business loading out, like the Chicago Bulls. Like, the Chicago Bulls out here actually trying to create a squad. And listen, like, good on them, but holy cow. Like, who would have th- like, we knew the Lakers were going to be active. And the Miami's always active. Chicago Bulls? Like, I don't know. This this free agency period, it's always wacky, but this one's nutty. I don't understand. I, or, sorry, I don't understand. I'm not sure how it would be possible where we would have to look to find this statistic, but I would be intrigued to know. It feels like... Because there was a point where the Lakers literally had, like, six, or six guys on their roster. And... Like, for those of you who don't know, right now, LeBron James is the longest-tenured Los Angeles Laker on that team right now. He's been there for three years. Jeez. So, it would be interesting to me to see if this is the most free agents we've ever had in any signing period, in any offseason ever. It just it feels like that because you have teams just coming out of the woodwork, just signing fat stacks of people. Maybe it's just that everybody's player option lined up this year. I don't know what it is, but you're right. The only way to equivocate it to synonymize it is with the word arms race because it just feels like everybody's picking up as many weapons as they possibly can because they're getting ready to drop like war zone you know what i'm saying it's interesting that conversation you and i had yesterday about the next offensive scheme that's going to take over the nba uh it doesn't sound so crazy anymore because everybody's just signing everybody to the, like team basically if you were a team that was in some kind of rebuild or you were a team that was like contending, but mostly based on chemistry and not based on talent, you went and you got yourself a baller. That's literally, that was the scheme. That was every single GM unanimously across the league put on the board, get someone who scores 20 points a game. And that was the whole strategy in terms of free agency. It's been wild out here. I would venture to say, you you talked about the where the offensive trend of basketball is going, I would put it to you like this. I would argue that the trend that we're headed towards is similar to that of all-star level basketball, and this is why I say that. Where, basically, it's a lot of individual iso ball, and then if there is an assist, it's lots of flashy, get-the-crowd-involved, very hype plays, like off-the-backboard dunks and stuff like that. The reason Looking I say like that, Chino Hills basketball, exactly, and the reason, like some Harlem, I I feel like I honestly feel like the the way that the NBA is going is Harlem Globetrotters. Like we're gonna play some really nice ISO ball. If you can't play ISO ball, then you just dish it out and make it look really good. But if you think about it, like that makes the most sense. Because how do these really good kids? How do they start playing basketball? A lot of them start in AAU. We've seen the pictures. A lot of these guys play together. Like Jaw and Zion both played together when they were young. Uh, Dwight Howard, Carmelo, and Josh Smith all played on the same team when they were kids. So you're basically seeing this already where the culture is if you can't, you won't be able to beat them, so join them. So they build all of these really hype teams with just a lot of good individuals, and then you figure out the rest on the back end, which I think goes to explain a lot why um, the Olympic team looks the way that it does, is because they're really just trying to play all-star ball, and it 
I don't know that maybe it doesn't work in the international level. Maybe they all figured that out already. Whatever the case may be, that's the direction that I think basketball is headed right now because of everyone just trying to fill their team with pure acquisitions of signings in the offseason. It's interesting that you bring that up because this is actually something I was thinking about earlier. You and I were having a we've, – we've had multiple conversations that basically are just kind of touch around this topic. When it comes to super teams, a lot of people who are anti-super team have this idea that the NBA, which – here's your general rule. Do if you like super teams? Sorry, just before, I, before you finish, do you like super teams? I don't have an inherent opinion on them. What okay. I don't like is monop- monopolies. Okay. So I don't – I don't mind if there's super teams if there's more than one super team, right? Like when when Michael Jordan like and not to like be a boomer, but like when Michael Jordan played, it was not only the Chicago Bulls and everyone else. There was Michael Jordan and everybody else, but it wasn't the Chicago Bulls and everyone else. Like there were tons of teams that challenged the Chicago Bulls, and so I didn't have a problem with it. If there's if there's two juggernauts that will go out at the end of the season, I don't mind it. If there's only one juggernaut, then it's not as fun for me, and it kind of creates this. Like, the NBA and the NFL are Who products. would you say have been that juggernaut? Uh, like, in the last season? Like, in the last 20 years. That's, like, why there was a single juggernaut. I think, for stretches, it was the Lakers and Spurs. Uh, but even then, the Spurs was less crazy amounts of, like, star players that wanted to play with them, and they were a more homegrown yeah, system. Yeah, I feel like Spurs, then, I don't know about that one. And then... You have to throw in Golden State. Yeah, they didn't start that with way, KD, the KD Golden KD. State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I think that's the best and example. Here's what I want to avoid. I want to avoid a situation wherein a trade is going to occur because there's a disgruntled All Star or top five player, and Adam Silver steps in and says, "No, that's going to be." Odd. I want to avoid any David Stern, Chris Paul situations. I don't think the NBA is very good at making those decisions. I think it's garbage. But yeah. that being said, I would not mind a scenario. Um, and let me know what you think about this. I would not hate a scenario wherein the NBA says you can have two max players and that's it because then you make people choose where you have like the top players in the NBA. It's like, do you, and in terms of like dispersing talent, do you want to be paid and treated like a top five player in the NBA or do you want to win a title? And then if you want to win a title, like that's fine and you just can't take max money. I think if what you're trying to do is disperse the talent and make sure that there's not one or two teams that will win it every year. That would be a more appropriate way. I, I just I don't like the idea of the NBA of any professional like sports league that vetoing trades because they don't like them. I think it's garbage. I don't think that there's any good standard. I think if you created a rule where there was like a certain amount of max players that you could command, I think it's a more natural way of controlling it if you care. I don't care all that much, but if it if, if it turned up if it turned into this thing with this this free agency where it's Miami and the Lakers and those are the only teams that have a chance, then I wouldn't have a problem with that so much. I don't know what are your thoughts on it. I do not care. This is I am always a supporter of capitalism. Whatever way you want to get rich, as long as nobody gets harmed or harassed or, like, seriously duped, I really don't care how you make your money. Like, as long as it's legal, you go for it. You do whatever you got to do. If you end up screwing yourself over later down the line, that's not my problem. I don't have a problem with any of this super team thing, mostly because, um, how should I put this? Other than the Georgia Bulldogs, I've never been a fan of any professional team that has ever made me happy. Therefore, I understand what it's like to feel like a loser in rooting for professional sports. Therefore, I've accepted the fact that I'm probably never going to be rooting for a team winning championships. So, it makes it a lot easier for me to just appreciate the game for what it is. Here's why I don't care about super teams. The hottest girl is not always the one you want to marry. The hottest guy is not always the one you want to marry. They're probably the one you want to meet on Tinder and go out with one time, maybe two times. But, like, you know a lot of times, okay, yes, that girl is drop-dead gorgeous, but, man, the only thing running between her ears is a rock. Like, there's nothing else going on. Same with dudes. That's not the guy you're taking home. 
This is why I don't care about super teams. Because everybody says, like, we love to move the goalpost on this. I hate moving the goalpost on an argument. If you're going to make a take, keep it from now until the end. I don't care about the super team thing because it doesn't always work out. If it was a definitive 100% guarantee every time you built a super team, you were guaranteed to win a championship, sure, go ahead and have it. My thing is the NBA is too uh, spread out is maybe the right word. Like, there's just too many world beaters across the board for you to definitively be able to say this super team will always be dominant. Because if you really thought about it, like, if there were, if, if another team in the NBA wanted to have built a super team to stop the Golden State Warriors, they could have. They didn't. But that doesn't mean that there was no possibility of any team that could have beat them. Like, they, somebody could have, they just didn't at the time because they didn't figure it out. And then KD obviously left and saved us all from the Golden State Warriors ruining professional basketball for a lot of people. I don't care because I know that the market will change. Like, this is not, you use the word monopoly, and I like that because I think a lot of people would equivocate super teams to monopolies. But the thing with a monopoly is, once you develop a monopoly, it's nearly impossible to remove that from the market because it becomes the market. It absolutely controls the market. Super teams don't do that because uh, eventually people realize, oh, yep, that didn't work. Like I brought up yesterday, the Shaquille O'Neal, Carl Malone, Gary Payton, Kobe Bryant team. If you took, like, if I, if you didn't know... Let's say that this is before that team and I told you we were going to build that team. A lot of people who saw that team come together probably would have thought this is a world beater team. Like they will never lose a game in a whole season. Obviously that didn't go on to happen. They didn't even win a championship. So I don't care about super teams because at the end of the day, I'm just about you winning, making money, however you see fit. And sorry, before, before I let it, you get to it, you made the point okay, well, what if we do every player or every team only gets two max contracts? Well, you basically have that already as soon as you install a salary cap into the league because this isn't baseball where there isn't a salary cap and you can pay whoever whatever money you want. And even in baseball, without a salary cap, they still don't have super teams. The New York Yankees have tried it and it's still not working out for them. So I don't really have a problem with it because I don't think it's a guaranteed monopoly on the league. It's just like... It's Apple, it's not Dale Carnegie. Right. I think that, for me, when I use the term monopoly, I don't think we've achieved monopoly. Um, my thing is that if you, if, if it were possible, if we started to see players all commanding crazy salaries and then signing, like, like your first font, like... But I don't think the economy very... works like that. Well, and I agree with you, and that's what I'm saying is that I don't, I don't think that at the moment there is a monopoly and I think that all you have is like a bunch of really powerful, like to use your, to use the economy analogy, like you just have, you have a bunch of powerful, there's no Google, there's no Google in here, right? No, and because, and I, but, I, but I don't think that Google's a monopoly either. I think it, when it comes down to it, in the sports analogy, I think that the problem would come if you are legitimately building and all, like if, if your all-star team is your starting five, if, if we get to there, then we could have a conversation about it. I don't, I don't think that it really, I don't think that we're even close. And I think also the problem is that what people don't understand about the current, like super teams, Kyrie or like, 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 it's like what you were saying, Kyrie Irving is a flight risk, right? Dude can yep. go like, dude could be anywhere at any point, And his team doesn't know for like 48 hours excuse me, KD is pretty much the only consistent, and even then there's health concerns. And every single time James Harden comes back from the offseason, he looks like he's been drinking all those smoothies on the exactly. bench, and that's all he's been doing. And LeBron James, while he's one of the most dominant players to ever play the game, is older. He has miles on his body. It's, it, it's hard for him to get to a point where he can be in playoff mode all the time. Even in the playoffs, he can't be playoff mode all the time. He doesn't have the stamina anymore. And Anthony Davis is literally made of glass, and I think I'm not being too slanderous when I say that Russ barely qualifies as an all-star anymore. I think a lot of people would disagree with you, but I see I 100% will raise you to that. But the, this I, is where I, but this is where I kind of disagree with you, because 
I don't think we will ever reach a point where we will have a monopoly and because like we're using the analogy of economy and money, but I think the real sure. reason we'll never actually have a monopoly in terms on talent is because of money. And this is why. Do you know, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if I've said this on the pod or not. Maybe I said it before you got here. There is not a person to win a Super Bowl in the last 20 years, this entire century. There's not a person to win a Super Bowl who has made more money than Tom Brady that season Unless your name, your last name is Manning or Breeze. So unless you're one of the top three greatest quarterbacks of all time, or maybe, okay, I'll say top five, top ten, unless your name is that or Tom Brady, if you're making more money than Tom Brady, you're not winning a Super Bowl. And the reason is because when the quarterback commands that much money, then you therefore exclude yourself from being in the running to get better players that would make you worth winning a Super Bowl. The reason I don't think that a super team will ever get to the point where it is so much of a world beater that no one can stop it and it will go on a complete 82-0 season and then sweep every team to win the finals is because of money. I like... Like, DeMar DeRozan is a perfect example. We talked about him yesterday. He said he was going to prioritize winning over money. And look at what happened. He decided, well, the money from the Chicago Bulls is pretty good. They haven't been to a final since Michael Jordan was there almost 40 years ago. But you know what? Um, I actually really just want the money instead. Most of these guys are really, like, they're here to win championships, but they're more here to win money. And for that reason, I'm not worried about Monopoly ever occurring. And like I said earlier, I don't I don't think that we're there yet. I think the only contingency in which it would even be a problem is if you start having it if the starting lineup of the like of the All-Star game in the West and the East end up being actual lineups from the West and the East, then I think you could have the conversation, but I don't think we're even close. I think we're I think we're not I think we're further away now than we were during the KD. But wouldn't all of those people if you were going to do that, all those people would have to take money that would allow them to all play together right right no and and i agree with that but that's what i'm saying is like when it comes to at the end of the day like i was saying earlier like the nba is a product yeah right it's a product that they're trying to sell and for for different reasons a lot of them cultural a lot of them political a lot of them just a result of the times that we live in with like the evolution of media the nba has lost viewership every single year year on year until this point for about a decade now which means the CBA is not going up anytime soon, which means the salary cap's not going up anytime soon. Right. And so what I'm seeing is that you need to improve your product. Like it, a lot of people like say, "Oh my gosh, like the NBA is finally looking into these rules, right? Where um, players are basically allowed to game the officials and like yeah, get yeah, yeah. fouls, basically like nerfing James Harden and Trey Young." I feel but yeah. here's the problem. The reason that they're doing that has nothing to do with, like, the fans. And also, everything to do with the fans. They don't care what the fans feel about it. They care that the fans don't like it, and so they're not watching. Yep. That's what they care about. And so, at the end of the day, I think if it became a problem where it was a true... People want to people wanna know that there's a chance. Even if it's a small yes. chance, they want to know that there's a chance. If yes. there's a chance, it, the problem for the NBA comes in where if we get to the season... And there is no debate. There is no conversation to be had about who's going to be in the finals that year. Then I think you have a conversation about limiting max salaries and things like that only because the product is going to end up becoming stale and you're going to have people not watch. Not because I think like on a moral level it makes any sense, but because I think at the end of the day, if you need to make the NBA more competitive, that's a way to do it. But like I said, I think we're way far off there. And I think that we're going to see a little bit of a boost this year in terms of people actually watching the NBA. I'm going to tell you why I I hate to be the guy who's like, yeah, never in the history of the world is the scenario that you think could potentially happen ever going to happen. But this is why I think so. I'll be that guy. It's probably never going to happen. Well, this is this. This is what I'm going to say to you. And if you get offended by this, I, I feel I'm actually really sorry because the biggest issue with that is that I just don't care. So this is the thing. If you believe that someday the NBA can get to a point where you can have an entire all-star lineup leading an NBA team, this is what's wrong with you. Because to me, that's the same logic as believing in, um, in, an, in a world where we can all make the same salary. 
there has to be rich people and there have to be poor people for the economy to function unless it's going to be regulated by the government. What I'm saying is I don't think it's ever going to be even kind of a possibility because first of all, when you're making millions of dollars, the one thing that you are always willing to chase is another M. You are always willing to take another dollar up and you seeing another guy making as much money as you like, makes you think, well, that guy's not as good as me, so I should make more money than him. I mean, like we saw this, Aaron Rodgers literally turned down a contract to be the highest paid quarterback in football because he didn't like the way the deal was structured. So, I don't think this is ever, ever, ever even going to be kind of an issue because there will always be rich and poor, because there will always be people like LeBron James and Steph Curry who have to make so much more money than everyone else. Otherwise, they feel insecure about themselves because they're being equivocated to people that are not as good as them. So to that, I would say, I don't think this will ever be an issue because the, and and here's the thing, there is, like, there's a team in the NBA, in the NFL right now who I think technically qualifies as a monopoly like i think the tampa bay buccaneers if you look at how that super bowl team was constructed that team is probably honestly minus a couple even their, their cornerbacks weren't even that bad they're like minus the secondary like they they built a super team offense they had mike evans chris godwin antonio brown leonard Fournette, ronald jones tom brady and then this phenomenal offensive line and then they have uh levante david and dion whatever the guy's name at linebacker is and then nagama can sue a d tackle so it's just like yeah it happens but guess what i'd be willing to bet that the suit i well I personally wouldn't bet against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next year, but I think a lot of people will. And for that reason, I, I'm i not – because I think to the other point, like like you said earlier, like the, the Brooklyn Nets built a super team. And, I mean, I think at the beginning of the season, wouldn't you agree at the beginning of the season with teams just presently constructed how they were – I would say most people, if they had to bet money, would have said, yeah, Lakers, Nets, NBA Finals, indisputable, correct? Um, I think I, I would have said yes on the Lakers. On the Nets, I think there were more question marks simply because of KD's health. But I think generally True. the consensus was I think generally the consensus was that if you have to pick favorites, it's probably these two. But that's what I'm saying is like there's always going to be some kind of Achilles heel that if it gets hit at the right second, you can say, okay, yes, that Olympian is going to fall. And so it doesn't super worry me. I honestly, if you if you're upset with super teams, then either a you're a really big fan of your own team and you know they're not one because this is the thing. If your team built a super team, if LeBron James, so you're a, you're you're a Utah Jazz fan, you're gonna honestly sure. tell me if LeBron James said, "Hey, you know what? I really like I really like skiing. I really like snowboarding. I want to come live in Salt Lake City. I'm gonna come play for the Jazz." You're gonna tell me you'd be upset upset that he came yeah i this is just me personally i like organic teams more than i like free like i like free agency to top it off not to start and so that would be my difference but like me personally having a problem with lebron james coming no i just generally like teams that are organically built but that's just yes but i'm saying like if it's your team are you really going to be that upset if they just get so good that they become a world beater i think if it's me i just turn a blind eye and say hey man we won a championship i don't really care how we got it which is, I think, the mentality that most uh, organizations should take because I think unless you are, like, specifically talking about the NBA, the Lakers, unless you are the Brooklyn Nets, the Golden State Warriors, unless you are one of those three teams, you should be risking it all for a championship. If you even ha- Like, if there's even a glimmer of light, you finna risk it all for the whole thing. And that's how you should do it. Yep. Teams that don't do that don't win. If you hate the idea of super teams, then the idea of college athletics should make you make your stomach turn. Like you should actually feel that Nick Saban needs to go to prison if you hate the idea of super teams. And same with John Calipari, and same with whatever that boy's name in uh, Gonzaga is, and same with Villanova, and same with Georgia, and same with Oklahoma. Like if you really hate the concept of super teams that much, you should absolutely boycott college sports. But you don't because it's not that big of a deal because we know at the end of the day that anyone can fall. Speaking of winners and losers, we have a new game today in honor of NBA free agency that we're going to go ahead and take a look at. We call it NBA arms race. Specifically, is your favorite team a victim or a victor? We're going to be only be looking at, we're only going to be looking at teams that matter 
really in the scheme of this season. So if we don't say your team name and don't talk about it, sorry, we're not going to talk about it because your team doesn't really matter. Um, but because we you will suck. talk. Brett said it, not me. Don't cancel me. But yeah, we will go ahead and we will take a look at some of these teams, starting with the 76ers, victims or victors. Right now they're victims because they still don't know what they're doing with Ben Simmons. I literally got a notification on my Apple Watch not 20 minutes ago that they said, and I quote, uh, 76ers open to keeping Simmons. Philly is, quote, open to bringing back the star amid trade buzz. You know what that means? That means you're dating a girl and it's getting close to prom season and you thought you could move off your girl to get a girl that was even hotter and then the girl that was even hotter got a date with somebody else and you're like, well, I don't want to go to prom by myself and I know this girl's crazy, but I'm just going to stick with her anyway and act like everything is good. That's where you're at with Philadelphia right now. They're such victims because they haven't fig- they're expecting way too much in return for Ben Simmons and they haven't made moves anywhere else. You got to figure out how to get Dame Lillard otherwise as far as I'm concerned, if you don't get something to get you into a championship this year, you're you're a loser in this. And also, I think part of the problem is that they're pulling a Dennis Schroeder where they're significantly overvaluing how other teams see yep. their asset, and it's it's really going to end poorly for them. They're actually probably going to get left out in the rain more than yes. anybody else. Brooklyn Nets, victims or victors? I, I mean, I, what did they sign? They signed Nick Batum, yeah? Um, I, I don't know if they're – I guess victors because, like, they didn't get worse, but also – they worry me that they don't have the same thing that worries a lot of people about the Lakers worries me about the Brooklyn Nets in that I don't I just don't feel like they have any young boys running this team. And so they basically Oh. Sorry. Um sorry, I just got notifications that uh Philip Rivers could return to the NFL, which I think makes a lot of sense if you're the Indianapolis Colts because you need a quarterback bad. Um yeah, they, they might hire me or you to actually return to the NFL. Or if point. Nick Foles gets his wish, he's going to leave the team that he's currently with. If you saw that press conference yesterday, you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, From your Bro- mouth to God's ears. Exactly. But Brooklyn Nets worry me because I don't think they have any young guys running this team. And so if they don't figure – like like their really good players are actually – they're really good deep players are all really old and their young players just aren't good. So this team worries me a little bit. So I'd probably honestly say victim. At this point, they have returned Blake Griffin and Bruce Brown, and they have signed James Johnson and Patty Mills. I do like Patty Mills. I do like it, too. I really wish the Jazz could have gotten him. Milwaukee Bucks, victims or victors? I mean, you're NBA champion, so victors, I mean, you didn't get worse. You have, last time I checked, you have a two-time defensive player of the year and MVP, so uh, probably victor. All right. And the New York Knicks, victims or victors? I'm going to say victim because, except I don't even feel like they're victims. I feel like it's just the word is loser. Every year we say the Knicks are back. I say this all the time. Every time we say they're back and they're never back. Yes, you re-signed Derrick Rose. That's awesome. I hope his knees hold up. I really do. But if I was a betting man, I'm not super confident. You got beat by the Atlanta Hawks last year in the first round. So, um don't kill me if I'm not out here holding my breath on the New York Knicks. Even with the Evan Fournier signing? Who in the actual heck is Evan Fournier? Like, I know who that is, but I don't find him relevant enough. Like, I feel like they just signed a lot of really good C-list actors. Like, it's just like, yeah, like, y'all really, really, really good at being the bottom. All right. Atlanta Hawks, victims, victors. Yeah, you signed Trey Young to a max deal, but, I mean, that didn't really surprise anyone. It's like, it's like when the United States beat Iran. Like, yes. if you beat them, whatever. If you don't beat them, like, Houston, we have a problem. Yeah, you were supposed to beat them anyway. So, the fact, like, I'm not going to give you credit for doing what you were supposed to. I'll give you credit for going above and beyond what your actual job title is, but I'm not going to, like, support, support and sustain you for doing what everyone thought you should do. I'm going to say Victor or victim because we don't know how close they are to getting John Collins back. And if they don't get him back, I don't think they have any hopes of running past the second round of the playoffs. You are correct. If they don't get John Collins back, they are worse than they were last year. Miami Heat victims or victors? Obviously victors. This one doesn't even really take that long. I do feel like a little bit. 
that Kyle Lowry got paid overpaid just a little bit, but I do like the way this team is constructed. I like I really actually really love Victor Oladipo coming back. People sleep on him, but he's a really good talent. So with the way you have this team constructed, I think you make a pretty decent run. I think you could potentially run to the Eastern Conference Finals, but I say Victor. All right. And then let's do the Boston Celtics, victims or victors. Also, real quick, I want to clarify. I said that George uh, George's Niang had signed with them yesterday. That is not the case. That was a misreport. But I still wish he would sign with them because I really don't want us to have him anymore. I, I don't blame you. I don't know why anyone wants George Niang. Um, Boston Celtics, definitely victims because they haven't really done anything. I didn't love the moving Brad Stevens into the front office and firing Danny Ainge. Yeah, you got rid of Kemba Walker in back for a couple of picks, but I just, again, this is an arms race. You have to understand what everyone else is looking like. Whether or not you are succeeding or failing is in comparison to everyone else. I know people say comparison is the thief of joy, but comparison also tells you how much better or worse you are than everybody else. So Boston Celtics, definitely victims because they haven't really done a whole lot in free agency yet. All right. Utah Jazz, victims or victors? Um, they got Mike Conley back, which is good. My only thing is, I think this entire season rests on what Rudy Gobert looks like next year. Because this last year, towards the second half of the season into the playoffs, the man who was supposedly a defensive player of the year also became a defensive liability. He wasn't aggressive at all, and at certain points of the season, you literally saw point guards rebounding over him. I think the Phoenix Suns and the Utah Jazz have a similar issue where you got to get some backup help at that center position in the front court, and if you don't, your season's toast. Also, since they signed Rudy Gay, uh, Joe Ingles is apparently rumored to be a major piece of interest for the Golden State Warriors. Um, and the Jazz are also apparently very interested in Moses Moody. Uh, I actually like, just sorry, before the next one, I like the deal. If you find a way to get rid of, not get rid of, first of all, for people who don't know what the state of Utah is like or what the city of Salt Lake is like, I'm just putting this out there. If you trade Joe Ingles, there will be riots in the streets. Like, people will die. No cap. I'll, I'll get my pitch exactly like there's gonna be torches everyone is gonna get rowdy it's gonna look like penn state after they beat ohio state in 2016 um so i what i would like though is if joe ingles if you find a way to get joe ingles and maybe even i don't know who else you throw in this deal maybe bogdanovich and like a first round pick and you get james wiseman and a second round pick back i actually really like that because i think that makes a lot of sense with the way that Utah plays the uh, plays basketball, the way they like to run the floor, I think James Wiseman would actually fit super well. All right, Phoenix Suns, victims or victors? Dude, I'm going to say victims because, again, same deal. They don't have any front court help. Dario Sarge, don't get, like, stop it with that. Same with Frank Kaminsky, no. You need more help in that front court. DeAndre Ayton got worked by Giannis at the end of those finals, and... Uh, yeah, you got to figure out how to play team basketball. Look, you way over. I, I think Chris Paul got overpaid for Chris Paul kind of duped you. I mean, yes, he got you to an NBA finals, but I also don't think the NBA is going to look anything like what it did this year, next year. So I, I would say victims. Cause right now you haven't gotten any better in my eyes and you seriously need to, if you want to make a run to the finals again, cause everyone else is getting better. I think Chris Paul is one of the best point guards to ever play the game. That being said, Chris Paul plays really well in contract years. Like, he plays really Fair. well. And then he ends up getting injured in really crucial times. And it's actually, like, I'm not saying he's throwing or anything. I'm not saying he's taking dives. But it's kind of sus, though. No, All this right. contract seems to me like a security retirement plan. 100%. Denver Nuggets, victims or victors? I feel like it's hard to say. I feel like they haven't done very much. You're going to get Jamal Murray back. I actually, I'm going to say victors only because, yes, they haven't done a whole lot. But they did a lot before the trade deadline last year, especially bringing in Aaron Gordon. Their starting lineup, I feel like, is phenomenal, and I do like the role players they have coming off the bench. But you get Jamal Murray back. You got Obviously, you have the MVP in Jokic. You have Aaron Gordon. You have Michael Porter Jr. as one of the best young players in the league. So I'll call them victors just because... 
they got they've gotten a significantly better. Just for a heads up, they have re-signed Austin Rivers. They have brought in Jeff Green. They've re-signed Will Barton, and they have signed Jamichael Green. And the L- L.A. Clippers, victims or victors? I don't even think that the the L.A. Clippers aren't even relevant to me anymore because you still haven't found a way to let Paul George know that you value him in a way that he understands. He doesn't know how to play basketball with Kawhi Leonard. I think if you could almost scheme Kawhi Leonard into re-signing with you and then trading him for someone else that would play well with Paul George, because the Paul George-Kawhi Leonard thing, if you, if you haven't learned anything about the city of Los Angeles, it's that that thing don't work. So you got to figure that out. I say do not re-sign Kawhi Leonard. He costs you way too much money. He's barely going to play next year, and you don't have a lot of years left to win a title, I don't think, especially with the way that – the Lakers are constructed, so I just say they're probably victims because they haven't really done much, but if they decide not to re-sign Kawhi Leonard, I think that's a dub. Here's what I'll say about it. Kawhi Leonard would make would have made more money by signing a maximum deal, and so if it was a money decision, he would have already done so, yep. and if it was a team decision, he would have done, pulled a Steph Curry and would have extended a long time ago. It's obviously neither of those two, and so why would he do this and take and make stand, he would stand to make less money in future deals unless he's leaving? No, it's very obvious that he's only in it for the money. And if he's not even in it for the money because he just declined, you know, signing like a massive four or five year deal, which would have like gotten him more money in the long run anyway he's probably not coming back i'm sorry clippers fans he's probably gonna leave no i don't think uh, he cares at all about basketball on not at all but like definitely significantly less than other people because like even when he's healthy he doesn't play and i i mean you can just tell like his endorsements and stuff like he's really just here to make money more so i think than he is to play basketball that being said he's, he's a very good basketball player he's like the jay-z of basketball Ooh. all right Dallas Mavericks, victims or victors? Victims. Yo, literally, not even, I'm not even upset. I'm upset that you signed Tim Hardaway Jr. I'm even more upset that you overpaid for him. He's a poor man's Jordan Clarkson. And Jordan Clarkson is a poor man's a lot of things. So if you're a poor man's poor man, you really, really broke. Tim Hardaway Jr. is not, first of all, not worth the money you're going to pay him. Like, you're not fighting with anyone on the market for him. And if you are... That's better money spent literally anywhere else. I would have honestly liked to see them go out and get Lonzo Ball, but the problem was the Chicago Bulls way overpaid for him as well. Um, Yeah, I mean, the Mavericks haven't done a whole lot to me. It almost seems like to me that they... They keep dating the same. They stick in the same relationship, even though they know it's toxic, because it's the only thing that they know that they've seen work significantly well in the past ten years. So they're like, well, we don't really know how to work with anything else, so we'll just stick with this. Uh, yeah, we'll resign Boban. Yeah, we'll resign Tim Hardaway. Yeah, we'll resign a lot of these just very mediocre players instead of trying to make a big splash. You could have dealt Kristaps already for something decent, and I think his stock only goes down over time because he's toxic and he gets injured all the time. So the Ma- Dallas Mavericks are definitely victims. I don't understand why it is that they keep saying that Luka Doncic needs backup. He's got Boban Marjanovic, and he just resigned. I don't get it. Okay. You, okay. you guys need help when you got the goat on your team. Okay. Crazy. The most right. significant thing Boban Marjanovic has done in the past 10 years was play a villain in John Wick Chapter 3. That's Man, the that's most athletic he's been in the past 10 years, not even on a basketball court. Man, you're out here disrespecting the GOAT. Trailblazers, victims or victors? Victims because they lost Zach Collins. And, I mean, I don't think they've, to my knowledge, I don't think they've re-signed Norman Powell yet. There's just, like, not a lot. They have. Oh, they did re-sign Norman Powell? Okay, so Mm -hmm. I guess, like, kind of. But, again, at some, maybe it's I think they handed him a bag. Oh, I think you're right, actually. Again, overpaying. I think five year deal. Look, everybody's going to be yell at me for saying that I said that everybody overpaid, but but all these teams are going to see it in a couple years when they try to move off these guys and you're like, "Oh, nobody wants to trade you for Lonzo Ball because they don't want to take on his contract which is way too high." Yeah, I could have told you that. Uh Portland Trailblazers, I don't feel great about and maybe maybe 
there's some people look i think it's this is a very polarizing trait you're either really comfortable with change or you're not comfortable at all with it i don't think the portland trailblazers are comfortable with change which is why they keep trying to run it back with the same team and getting the same result every year and every year they get to the playoffs and they're like hey hey dame do you think you could uh do you think you could just drop like a, a 50 piece for us and maybe try and win every game and then yeah um yeah when there's 30 seconds left on the clock just only shoot step back fade away 180 spin threes and it'll probably go in like if that's their backup plan and they refuse to make any kind of moves that would require them to lose anything they're very attached to damian lillard as they should be but i think at this point it's time to blow it up dame has really high value right now you could get some decent things back from him you could probably make the 76ers look like suckers and take them for a lot of what they're worth just get rid of dame or cj and make this team look a little bit different because we know what it looks like and it's not working Blazers traded Gary Trent Jr. to save more money, but they're play- they're paying Powell yep. $90 million over the course of five years. Yep. Explain that math to me. All right. L.A. Lakers, victims or victors? Dude, they're victors for sure. I know people are going to complain that this team is old, but newsflash, LeBron's been old for like five, six years now, and that's pretty much worked out for him because he's still running to the finals. I think... They, yes, they're a lot older, but I do think they added a lot of depth with that age. So, yes, you're not going to have guys that are going to be able to play as many minutes. But I do like the young guys that they have signed. They re-signed Tucker. I like the addition of Malik Monk. Look, they know they're trying to win the NBA Finals in the next two years. So, you can complain about them being old, but they're not trying to win in six years. They're trying to win right now. I don't love the Russell Westbrook thing, but other people are really convinced that it'll work. I think if he decides to listen to LeBron James, then maybe it can work. And I think if he understands that that's not his team and it's LeBron's team, then this thing could work out. I just worry a little bit about the shooting. All right. And then last one, I'm going to skip all the way down here simply because they have the treasure trove of picks and decided to just barely extend Shia Gilgis-Alexander. Oh, my The gosh. Oklahoma City Thunder, victims or victors? They'll be, look, I said it, they'll be victors when they decide to sign Danny Ainge as some kind of consultant in their front office because right now you have the opportunity to build an incredible team. But, like, they almost feel like the equivalent of an expansion team to me where they can basically go and get whatever they want because they have so many draft picks they just gotta do it shy gildas alexander like let's call a spade a spade shy gildas alexander is not a star or a stud he just happens to be the best player on that team and so we talk about it like it's his team and because it's his team we talk about him like he's a big dog he's good he's not a big dog um Yes, you're a victor, I guess, technically, because you have so many draft picks. But other, like outside of that, like I want to see what you do with it before I'm fully convinced that you are worth something. All right, and that will conclude this segment. Thanks for joining us for the madness that is NBA free agency. At this point, I, I have I, I have something I want to ask you about because I had this conversation at work today. Okay, of course. So, look, so I'm sitting at work today, and I see this thing let me pull it up massive brawl erupts at giants training camp practice do you see this yeah i saw the reports about it unfortunately so, there's no video because this was part of the practice that they were i know so part of me is thinking i think there is video i think the nfl just didn't want them to put it out because i think they discourage violence in public like you ever noticed no, I might agree it. with you, except for I think I I might agree with you, except for the fact that the NFL is literally the worst organization in the world at keeping secrets. It's literally not freaking possible. If it if somebody in the NFL finds out about it, it's on TMZ within 20 minutes. It's just it's it's a reality of life. That's fair, but I just this is my thing. Some of my most memorable sports moments, and this might be terrible to say, but some of the things that I remember the most are the fights. Like, I can't tell you how hard I cried when I watched Meta World Peace throw his elbow like a haymaker, like a Conor McGregor swing into the forehead of James Harden and knock that boy to the floor. I can't tell you how many times I've gone back and rewatched The Malice at the Palace or watched interviews in The Malice at the Palace. Like, those are the things that I seriously remember. And maybe that's terrible of me. Maybe it's a little bit odd. But I just, I don't know, man. Like, that AJ Green Jalen Ramsey fight a few years ago, like that was some entertaining stuff. Or uh, 
Who was it? Javon Wims. Who did he hit in the playoffs the, like last year? Like some of these fights in pro sports are some of the most entertaining things that we have off the field. And I just wish that there was. I wish whoever has the video. Look, I'll put this out there. I will. I will give up my next paycheck. And and I, granted, I don't make a lot of money. I barely make any money. But but I'm just telling you that's how much it would mean to me if I could get a video of this 91-man roster, everyone on the field, just swinging and throwing haymakers. This is the other thing I love. People are going to yell at Daniel Jones for being on the bottom of this pile, the starting quarterback. I mean, look, here's the thing. At least he was in the pile because I guarantee you my high school quarterback would not have been anywhere near this fight. He would have been running away. Shout out to you, Andrew. He's a pretty no boy. He's the he's a pretty boy white like white QB from Duke. He has to be in the pile, otherwise his boys like, are oh, not gonna respect I, it. I gotta get in this, otherwise otherwise ain't nobody gonna love me and they're all gonna call me a sissy. So I'm gonna just dive on the ground and let everybody jump on top of me and then walk out and do my hair a little bit. Like that's that's a Zach Wilson type move, honestly. Sheesh, she's throwing shade in here. It's Dude, all right. Though. I just I can't stand like I, so I work I work for BYU Sports Nation. So we obviously talk a lot of Zach Wilson, and I also work for, uh, another BYU football show. But basically today all we did was talk about Zach Wilson, and I was so annoyed because I don't love the kid. He's all right. He's pretty good at football, whatever. But I just can't get over the video of him at the draft where he just looks like he doesn't know how to interact with black people. You see that video? You know what I'm talking about? I have no idea what you're There's talking about. There's this video about. of him, and they're all trying to take pictures. It's like him, Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, and uh, I can't remember who the other guy is. But he's literally, like, he's standing there, right? And you know how sometimes, like, okay, before you were married, you know how sometimes, like, if you were ever surrounded by a bunch of really pretty girls, you just, like, you, like, standing there, and you're fidgeting, and you're, like, pulling, and you're, like, looking, and you're pulling your phone out. You're, like, oh, you're, like trying to act like you look like you know what you're doing, but you very obviously don't because you're so uncomfortable. That's how Zach Wilson acts around black people. And, I, and I'm not calling him a racist. I'm not saying that it is okay. I'm not saying that it is or isn't racist. I'm just saying, like, that man doesn't know how to interact with people of color, and I find it very entertaining and so for that reason i already hate him i love to throw him under the bus for it so going back to this whole daniel jones thing i think that would be a very much an attention drawing thing where he's like i'm gonna dive under the pile because i want to look tough my man brett out here throwing like he's just seeing ghosts of like racial america's past what the freak i is hate this? zach wilson literally so much I think this is extremely undeserved, but it's okay. We'll find out this season actually how good he really is. We'll find out. I think when it comes to fighting, I think actually hockey has done this extremely well. Right? And the reason the reason for this is because hockey doesn't do like if you talk to hockey fans, ho hockey doesn't do garbage unsportsmanlike slaps with like if you slap someone in the head with a stick you're an idiot yeah. and you're going to get beat. Like everyone like you're will gonna get, you up. And not only that, you're going to get like, people remember it. People remember when you do garbage crap like that, when you fight and when it's a consensual fight between two adults, Yep. I'm like that. See my problem with the malice of the palace. If two individuals decide they want to go at it on the floor, I, I don't think that you allow them to like beat someone's brains out on the rockets logo. But what I do think is that if two players start going at each other, this idea that we look at them when we're like, they're unsportsmanlike. People that are unsportsmanlike, it's one thing for things to get chippy, right? But it's different to get chippy. Like when you're doing, you've experienced this, you play football. Like yeah. when you're doing line drills and you're hitting each other and it's a matter of pride, you're not getting knocked on your rear. Yep. Like, like it gets chippy, <laughs> it gets really feisty. And that's a good thing because there's passion there. The problem that I have is when people hit each other and they don't see them coming. I don't like like haymakers to a dude who has no clue that there's anybody there because it is actually dangerous and also that there is financial risk to everybody involved. There's financial risk to the person who throws the punch. There's financial risk to the person who's getting paid. There's financial risk to the owner. There's financial risk to the NBA. And especially if you're hitting a fan, and there's some stupid fans, but if you hit a fan, oh, dude. But if you're a fan who has it coming, I don't feel bad for you. I don't, I don't feel bad for fans who engage in especially violent acts who get smacked. I don't have a problem with that at all. But it's just that you – people misunderstand that in a criminal court, you have to be proved, like, guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, like, beyond any yeah, doubt. Yeah. In a civil court, 
they just have to be able to prove you should have known better. That's all they have to prove. They don't have to prove that you were even like True. wrong. They just have to prove that you were an idiot. That's all. Like, civil suits are the easiest things to win, especially against an NBA player. You just take all his money. You know what I mean? Like, if somebody told you, hey, I'm going to hit you in the face and it's going to hurt really, really, really badly, but at the end of it, you'll get $10 million. Who cares? Oh, I'm taking that easy. Easy. And I'm so here's my, of that. here's my thing is that, like, I just look at it and I'm like, if you guys are going to fight, especially in a practice, and it's consensual between two adults, I don't think it really matters that much in the grand scheme of things. My problem is, tell me if you feel differently. Okay. I I have no sympathy, zero sympathy for Kyrie Irving getting bottles tossed at him by fans. I don't have any sympathy for it. And here's the reason why, specifically in that instance, is that Kyrie's out here being like, it's because Boston fans are racist, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's like, it's because all these Boston fans are racist. And that's the, and it's like, no, 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 no. The reason, like, it's so funny. People people want to call Boston fans racist until they remember that Doc Rivers coached there and like they have like a history of like extremely good black Bill players. Bill Russell was the first ever black coach and he won 11 championships, more than I think any white guy in history. So, okay. Recency bias, but I digress. Exactly. It's, one of, it's one of these things where I'm like, Kyrie Irving's like, players paint themselves as victims. And it's like, I'm sorry, you travel with armed security, if if not evidenced by Kevin Durant's overzealous bodyguard. Like, you travel with security everywhere you go. You There is no danger at almost any point to an, to an NBA player. No real danger. Yeah. Everybody there loves you. Even, like, the worst things that, that could happen was the mouse of the palace. And what was the mouse of the palace? It wasn't fans beating up NBA players. It was NBA players running through, through like it was a boss level and throwing kids left and right. Like, it, that's really what it was. And so when it comes to players, like, I don't have a problem with NBA players taking a swing at a fan. Like, if, if, if you're a fan and you touch a player, he can knock you out. He doesn't know who you are. He doesn't know what your intention is. But if you're a player and boy throws a like a rinky dinky like Gatorade bottle at you and you like you already called it out previously and you said it's because he's a racist no it's probably because you sucked like at, or because you, you pissed him off because you were literally freaking slapping your foot all over the logo being disrespectful I don't feel bad for Kyrie Irving in that instance but like you mentioned hockey you tell me this when was the last time you genuinely sat down and watched the hockey game just tell me when was the last time Probably my wife actually really likes hockey. She's a Vegas fan, but probably probably three or four months ago. Okay, tell me the a majority of the value in hockey is not the violence and aggression and physicality. That's almost one hundred percent of it. That's what I'm saying. Can you imagine how? Like, just think about this. Think about this. I want you. You you play Madden or Two K, right? Sure. Okay. Look, one of the most entertaining video games I've ever played. No cap. I bought the UFC 2 video game with my brothers last year while we were in quarantine. I'll tell you what, man. That was one of the most entertaining things I've ever played in my entire life. You literally just get to button mash and absolutely beat the crap out of another man and then knock them out. It's like Super Smash Brothers, but in real... It's like Street Fighter, but in real life. I would... It would be so cool. Like, it would be awesome. If... Because I'll tell you what. The only reason I've ever played the NHL game is for the fighting. It would be sick if you could just be playing NBA 2K... And you're LeBron James running up the floor and somebody tries to get chippy with you and like fakes a flop or whatever. And you just toss the ball into the stands and then the game automatically shifts to UFC controls and you just start throwing haymakers. And like you don't do it every game, but I'm telling you what, like the most excited I've ever been watching a Jacksonville Jaguars game was uh, 2017 when... The Seahawks dove at a Jaguars player's knees at the end of the game. And then as the guy was getting ejected, a, ban a fan threw a bottle at him. I think it was Michael Bennett. And Homeboy literally tried to climb up into the stands. He looked like a bear, bro. I thought this man was going to get mauled. I was so excited. I Look, I don't want anyone to die. I don't want anyone to get hurt. But look. What is sports is I can't remember who said it, but somebody said it the other day. Sports is the greatest reality television that we have. That's why we do the mic'd up thing. That's why we're so concerned about people winning and losing. That's why we care about stories. 
I just think it'd be entertaining if we just had, like, not a lot of fighting, but just, like, you know what, like, just show us this 91-man roster all throwing haymakers. Like, the bench-clearing brawls in baseball are so entertaining, dude. And, look, I don't want anyone to die. I don't want anyone to get seriously hurt, but... Look, we would all be lying if we said that we weren't super intrigued when we heard there was a fight going on in the bathroom in high school, right? I think, for me personally, I look at it and I think I don't mind fighting as compared to the alternate, like, not to revisit a really ugly portion of, like, NFL history that's pretty recent, but, like, the whole Steelers and Browns brawl where Mason Rudolph got knocked in the head. Miles right, Garrett took the, his helmet off. Right. My thought process is I don't mind if Miles Garrett and him are throwing fisticuffs. Yeah. With both the helmet. With the, helmet's the helmet's a little on. bit of a, like that's when you've that's when you've weaponized it, which I'm not down with. And I think what happens is that if you allow players, I have to be very careful in the way that I word this because I do have a very specific opinion on it. Ooh. But like, no, it, it's it's not even controversial. It's just that. I think officials should allow players to sort out a lot more things. Yes. But I also think that in terms of punishment, referees should be a little bit more liberal on extracurriculars. Yes. When it comes to things that, like, like I think uh, this is what a referee should do. A referee should look at it, and the referee should say, hey, Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett going at it on the ground, oh, well, like, we will penalize them after. I'm watching. And we're not going to do this thing where it's like, yeah, well, they both suck. No, eject them both. You know what I mean? Like, make what you should do is you should set very clear guidelines with the players. Listen, if you fight, we will eject you. But y'all can fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like you can come back can and fight. play next game. Right. And because if you're the NBA problem, or the NFL, people are going to talk about you if you fight. And at the end of the day, that's all they're really here for is for clicks. Right, and my thing is that I think if you allow players an avenue, a clearly defined avenue wherein they're allowed to throw hands, then what you do is you enable them to express that anger in a way that's not going to get them demonized by fan bases and also by coaches and players. Whereas when you have things like the Odell Beckham Jr. and Josh Norman thing where like... Which was great, by the way. It was great, but it was also the the part that we had a problem with was when Josh Norman wasn't looking, and then Odell Beckham Jr. took a shot directly at his head. Fair. And he wasn't looking. That's what we had a problem. We didn't have a problem with the back and forth and the fighting. We had a problem with him, right, diving and hitting him directly in the head. And same thing with the Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph thing. Nobody had a problem until he swung the helmet. Once he yeah. swung the helmet, we were like, once we once he swung the helmet, we were like, that's attempted murder. And so like, no cap though. One thing. time that happened in my high school. This kid was walking back into the locker room, and they were like, I can't remember. I think it was Ryan and Jared, I think. And Jared, uh, Ryan had been, like, crying or something on the field or whatever. And so Jared told him to, I I can't remember which way. One kid was getting made fun of for crying at practice or something like that. And so then the one who got made fun of decided that when they were walking back to the locker room, he turned around, swung his helmet like a bowling ball straight into this kid's face and smashed his nose. Sorry, just a quick story. But, yeah, I've seen that happen. And and I think that you would have a lot less school threats like that if you had an an avenue within a game or within a practice where two players could settle their differences and swing – with an understanding that afterwards, yeah, we're going to suspend you. We're going to fine you. Yeah. Right? But but that that's allowed. And that's, like... Because here's the problem. Mason Rudolph, like... If Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett were allowed to go fisticuffs for, like, 15, 20 seconds, you and I both know what the outcome of that thing would be. It'd be two injured quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Now there would be Ben Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph would both be injured. Right? Miles Garrett wouldn't feel a thing. Right, but you would you would allow them an avenue in order to explore that aspect of being frustrated as an athlete in a way that doesn't make it so that they can't be signed in the future. And I think you would also have a lot less of that like garbage where you have like people get smacked in the back of the head with a hockey stick, where you have people um, that like NBA players that are throw like that are not just like pushing and fighting, but doing stuff that's dirty like hitting each other in the groin stuff like that. I think you would have a lot more. You'd, it'd be a little bit more of a healthy way for players to resolve their differences and also entertain the fan base and also being very clear about, hey, listen, y'all can hit each other and we will find you. But just know, if you're, if you're Nadamika Sue and you step on air and you try and step on someone, 
you're going to get punished. And it's just like this thing that polarizes a fan base. I just think if you are just very clear and open with it and you're the league and you allow that to happen, I think you can actually like improve the sport. And you can also get rid of a lot of the garbage ticky-tack stuff that happens behind the scenes that everybody sees on TV, but that the rest don't see. And uh, most of these guys are not actually going to fight. So, like, d- like people are going to think that be my me it's saying true. this, that we're going to develop an epidemic of violence. That is not the case. Like, most of these guys are too sissy to actually fight. If Miles Have you Garrett- seen LeBron James kind of in a fight? Have you seen LeBron James try and swing on someone? No, because if LeBron James swung on someone, he would break his hand. Exactly. And he's too afraid of how much money he would lose. All I'm because like if you would have actually because this is the thing is Alejandro Villanueva and DeCastro actually did try to fight Miles Garrett after that thing and Miles Garrett's obviously not going to fight both of those dudes so everybody needs to chill out because this isn't actually going to cause just like a ton of issues like I, I that's why I just think it'd be entertaining if you just let these boys just like get a little extracurricular and honestly you get more likes because of it that's all I'm saying and also like I don't know. People are kind of interesting in that, like, that recency bias that we always talk about. It's like, if you're LeBron James and you're the face of the league, right? Do you remember, like, the LeBron James and, like, Enos Cantor face-off, like, a little while ago when yeah. Cantor was on the was on New York? And it's like, Literally nothing. you know, neither one of those guys is going to swing. Exactly. Neither one of those individuals are going to swing. Now, P.J. Tucker might swing on someone. P.J. Tucker might put someone in a garbage can. You know what I mean? Like, and it would be entertaining, and you could have like two people go out and fight, and there would be clear parameters. Listen, PJ, you swing on that boy, and you will not see the court for three games. And he's like, he thinks about it, and he knows that he doesn't have to like swing and then think about what's going to happen. He's like, if I swing on him, it's three games. Nah, I'm going to swing on him. It's three games. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. I think I think what you would do is you would. They're going to fight either way. They're going to fight either way, and what's going to happen... Okay, so my little brother, uh, he he was on on an LDS mission, and he was in what we call the Missionary Training Center. And in the Missionary Training Center, uh, people from a whole bunch of different cultures, backgrounds, um, ethnicities, um, different uh, expectations of what life is like, they all come together and they learn in a very high stress environment, like how to do something that they've never done before. And so lots of times their companionships, specifically at the very beginning of an LS mission, uh, where the people don't get along. And my little brother, Mason, he was in the uh, missionary training center and he was in charge of a group of missionaries, right? Just like over what we call a district. And he was, he had this companionship, right? This, this group of two guys and they did not get along. One of them was a very large football player from an unnamed university. From an uh, unnamed university, he said. And the other, and the other one was a smaller, very slender, more homely individual. Oh. Uh, and uh, they were just—they were not getting along. And I'm telling you, like, and I'm—I'm I'm not lying. Like, this was in a letter that we got from him. Boyo, Boyo is sitting there with his companion who was ragging on him and just teasing him, this and that. Kid had enough. Stabbed him in the leg with a pen. What? Right there. He stabbed him in the leg with a pen. This kid stabbed him and had no clue what that would do. He had no idea. Like, he, he had no clue what he had just done. And so dude stabs him and then runs, not realizing that this kid is a linebacker and is going to chase him. And so my little my little brother, right, he's, he's a... He's a He's a third degree black belt. Oh shoot! And, and as a wrestler, and so him in this line, and Mason's also—he's not short, but he's shorter than I think a lot of people would consider average. He's like five nine, right? He's five nine, and this guy's like six four. And Mason like grabs him and throws him right, like in this hallway, and they start going at it because this guy's trying to chase it after his companion, who is now gone from the building not in the building anymore grabs him and mason has him pinned and has him in a headlock and is like dude i will i will knock you out i will knock i, I will right here choke you out right here because you're not calming down dude got stabbed i totally understand it i, res- I respect why he's mad i get it but you would have less of that if there's an emotional immaturity there and a, a constraint that doesn't allow people to work out the differences in a way that's open 
And so then you have weird, like, school shooter type stuff where you get, like, stabbed in the leg. Right? And so all I'm saying is I think, like, in professional athletics especially, it would be extremely... It would be extremely productive to allow people a very well-defined pattern that they can follow in order to resolve those differences with very clear and outlined consequences. Yeah, dude, just no weapons. No uh, stabbing people in the leg with a pen, no golf clubs, no baseball bats. Look, that's all, that's all I'm saying is when I was a kid and my dad taught me how to deal with bullies who absolutely would not leave me alone, my dad's first thing, and I'm going to teach my kids this, and this will be the last thing before we go, but my dad was like, if the kid won't leave you alone, you pop him one time in the nose and one time in the jaw, and nine times out of ten, that kid is not going to bully you anymore. So if you're a kid and you get bullied a lot, like that's what I'm saying. If you hit Most kids will not hit you back and that's why i'm saying i don't think if you allowed a little bit of violence in these sports no weapons allowed like break it out before anything gets really dirty if you if you let that happen i think sports would be a little bit more entertaining but uh neither one of us are encouraging pen stabbing or anything like that we uh we hope y'all enjoyed today learned a little bit about free agency hopefully your team got a little bit better but we will be back with y'all tomorrow